Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Videos of our messages are also online at hope at crossroads.org. And now, here's this week's message. Good morning. If you would open your Bible to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. While you are turning there, uh, let me remind you next week we will get underway with our disciple life. Studies and those are in the announcement sheet. I trust you'll grab one of those. Uh, a couple things that uh, I need to tell you about very quickly before we dive into God's Word. Um, coming up on March the 15th, excuse me, the 17th, here in this room, it's a Thursday night from 5 to 7 o'clock. Uh, if you want to get firsthand information about what's happening with our roads in the area and construction, the DOT will be having a meeting in here. And uh, if you want to hear it directly from them instead of uh, my rendition, then I would encourage you to be here that night and you can hear directly from our, our community planners. It's going to be an interesting meeting. And then that following Saturday on the 19th, there are some sign-up sheets uh, for a work day with a lot of things that we're going to be having uh, go on in the life of our church in the future. There is a lot happening uh, in our church and uh, I trust that you're plugged into it. If you're not, please find your place and don't miss out because I believe God is Uh, God is at work. Let me also quickly say thank you to our student ministry for leading us in worship last week. What a tremendous blessing. Uh, I got several emails and text messages, uh, and uh, we are so grateful. Uh, I would tell those students that doesn't have to be a a once-a-year occasion. We sing up here. The praise team sings up here every week, I think, you know, and we need musicians every week, so get, get plugged in, but they did a fantastic job. We've been talking about Abraham, and we've been talking about uh, his descendants. And last week, we talked about uh, Jacob stealing uh, Esau's birthright. We're going to fast forward from that story all the way to chapter 32. If you remember, uh, when we last left the dynamic duo, uh, every time I think about us going through this study, I think about the old school uh, Batman with Adam West. And I loved it when they would be continued to the second week, because when you would tune in the second week, the narrator would say, when we last left the dynamic duo, you know, they were stranded. I feel like that's what we are when we're going through Genesis, because we're just hitting the highlights. And when we last uh, looked at the story last week, we know that Jacob had been instructed by his mom to go run off. She said, "Go, go to my brother's house. You can stay with him, because he was fearful that his brother Esau was going to kill him. Uh, she said, go to, to uh, Uncle Laban's house, and so he packed his bags and he took off, uh, and hopefully you've been reading along, you'll know that when he got there, uh, he kind of fell in love with this young lady, and uh, her name was Rachel, and uh, Laban said, if you will serve me for seven years, you can have Rachel, and so he served for seven years, and uh, Uncle Laban did the old switcheroo on him, and he wound up getting to know Leah. And uh, he wound up serving another seven years, so that just goes to show, guys, be very careful, those of you who are single looking for a woman, what the potential father-in-law may tell you. You may get hooked into something that you're not very well aware of, so be careful. Uh, God blessed Jacob, though, 
And he blessed his obedience, but his cousins got jealous of the blessing. And God told Jacob he needed to pack his bags and flee once again. And so he packed his bags and his uncle winds up chasing after him. You'll read this in chapter 31. He catches up with him and tells him he really didn't get to give him a proper farewell. Why did you leave? Why did you run off? And they finally have this proper goodbye and Laban returns home. And that's where we pick up the story Genesis chapter 32. So let's pick it up there and look at it together. As Jacob went on his way, the angels of God met him. Let's stop right there. Anybody ever seen an angel that would raise your hand and admit to it? We entertain sometimes angels unaware, the scripture says. And here, angel, here, here Jacob comes into this camp, into this area, and he sees angels. Wow. Amazing. We just sung about it. Little does he know the angels of God are about to become his protectors and his army. Verse 2, Jacob says, when he saw them, he said, this is God's camp. Uh, duh. You ever walked into a worship service and the presence of the Lord was so intense that when you walked in, you were like, wow, God is here. I, I sense that this morning. I hope that's the case. And I, I, I'm assuming that kind of was the case here with Jacob. He walks in. This is God's camp. So he named that place Mahanoam. And Jacob sent messengers before him to his brother Esau, who Esau is in the land of Seir, in the country of Edom. And we know that uh, Jacob is in the area of Haran. You need to study this on a map. i got to be honest, even as a kid when I would hear some of these Bible stories, until you pull up a map and understand these are actual places that, that are being described in the Bible. These are not fictitious places. This is not a fairy tale. These are real stories that happen on a real planet called Earth in a real area of the world. And this is in Turkey and Syria. This is the area of the world where this is happening. And so Esau is separated still from his brother Jacob. And Jacob sent messengers to his brother. Verse 4, he commanded those messengers and said this to them. You shall say to my Lord Esau, thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and I've stayed until now. And I have oxen and donkeys and flocks and male and female servants. And I've sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. And the messengers return to Jacob. He sends out the messengers. They come back and here's what they say. We saw your brother. We came to your brother Esau, verse 6. And furthermore, he's coming to meet you. And by the way, 400 men are coming with him. Now you remember when we last left the story... They were out, Esau's plan was to kill his brother, so, so the mom thought, so Rebecca thought. And so Esau sends out these messengers to go see where his brother is, and they come back and say, he's on the way, and he's bringing 400 men. Now, I don't know about what your reaction would be, but we're going to find out what Jacob's reaction is. And if you wanted to kind of title this message, it's very interesting. You might say ironic. I don't think it's ironic. I think God's timing is pretty incredible. That Jacob is about to uh, have in front of him what he thinks is going to be an opposing army. I'm well aware of, just like you are, what's happening in our world, as, even as we speak. Wars. Not just rumors of wars, but actual wars. And armies. What do you do, and what should be our response as the people of God, when an opposing army comes our way? Now, we could talk about it in the context of what's happening in Russia and the Ukraine. 
But we could also talk about it in the context of our own country. We could also talk about it, my dear friends, in the context of what happens spiritually in our own lives. Because the reality is we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual war. When we went through the study of Ephesians, I hope that that kind of sunk into your heart. I know it did mine. That we don't just go about our day and just kind of passive and things just kind of happen. There is a spiritual war happening. There's a spiritual war happening even in this moment. There's a spiritual war happening even in this room as I speak. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus. And there's another spirit at work that's doing everything in its power to distract you from hearing the word of God. Yea, praise God, there is the angel armies that I believe are fighting even as we're here right now. Do you understand that's going on every day? Whether you're in church, whether you're walking through the Lowe's grocery store, or praise God if you're driving down Woodruff Road, amen. We know we need it there. We know we need it there. But there is a spiritual battle going on. So how do we respond? What can we learn from Jacob's reaction, even with what's going on in the world? And more importantly, how can we apply this to when opposing forces enter in to our own life. Well, let's see how Jacob responded. He sends out these spies. They come back and they say, there's 400 people coming with your brother. And here's Jacob's response. Verse 7, Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And he divided the people who were with him and their flocks and their herds and their camels into two companies. He said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks, then the other company which is left can escape. It's a great plan. Maybe not. So the first thing that you can do when an opposing army comes your way is you can respond with fear and distress. Fear versus confidence. It's interesting if you go back, I encourage you to do this, and you read the previous chapter in Genesis 31 when Laban, his uncle, chases him down after he's kind of snuck out of camp at the night, uh, during the night because he's been fearful of his cousins killing him. When Laban and his his family members and his soldiers come and chase down Jacob. Jacob's response in chapter 31 is a little bit different. He almost comes out boldly like, what in the world are you doing here? Why are you chasing me down? Who do you think you are? But in this chapter, it's quite a different response. His response is fear and distress. Maybe because he had wronged his brother. It's not the confidence that you would hope you would read in one of the mighty men of God that we still talk about today. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We lift him up as a mighty warrior. Just goes to show not all the time do those people who look mighty go through life with 100% confidence. Sometimes there's some fear and trepidation and distress. And so these opposing armies come and his response is... Fear and distress, not confidence. As I was listening to the news this week, I thought about some of the things that are going on in our world, and you have heard the quote, I'm sure, when uh, Vladimir Zelensky was offered some support, and part of the support he was offered was escaping and fleeing from his country. It was interesting that his response was, the fight is here, I need ammunition, not a ride. That's confidence. When I heard that quote, I thought about how we are in our own spiritual lives as followers of Jesus and disciples of Christ. What is our response when the opposing army comes, when conflict and trial comes? Is our 
Is our response, where's my ticket out of here? Or is it, no, I'm going to be firmly planted. The fight is right here. I don't need a ride. Interesting that we can learn, pe- learn things from other world leaders. And so we see that, unfortunately, Jacob does not respond out of faith, but he responds out of fear. So the first thing that you need to note here that could be a response that many of us might have from time to time is we can respond with fear and distress. That's number one. Number two, we can believe God or we can believe what other people say. We can believe God or believe what other people say. You know, it's interesting I want to show you this video of the response of some of the people in Ukraine knowing that their country is being invaded. They don't know what the outcome is going to be. You may have seen this video online too of a group of people in a subway. army is coming in and there's bombs going off all around and yet they're there worshiping God I think it's because they believed God over what other people say unfortunately that's not the response for Jacob here he he gets distressed and starts dividing his army hey if we're attacked and Esau goes after one of you, then at least half of us will survive, kind of maybe is his thinking. Let's, let's divide. He, he is fearful, and he starts to believe what he sees around him. The Bible talks about walking by faith, not by what you see, but he starts to respond by what he sees, and he starts to believe what is happening and not believe what God said. If you remember, if you go back to Genesis chapter 27, Rebecca says this to him as... He's stolen the birthright. She says, therefore, my son, at the end of chapter 27, obey my voice, arise, flee. Go to my brother, Laban, over in Haran, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury subsides. That's the kind of the, the thing that's stuck in his head instead of what God tells him. And he's having this fear. Get the picture. He's having this fear and distress after seeing the angels of God. He walks into this camp, sees the angels of God, and then all of a sudden, I don't know if he took his eye, I don't, I don't know how that worked, but all of a sudden he hears from the messengers that he sent out, by the way, your brother's on the way, 400 men are coming with him. Let's see here, 400 men are the mighty angel armies of God. I'm going to think, he's thinking I'm going to get beat by the 400 men. Because he chose to believe other things except what God was telling him. If you go back and you look throughout all the stories of Genesis after Abraham comes on the scene, you'll see it many, many times over and over again. God reaffirms and reconfirms his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. And yet still he's doubtful, still he's distressed, still he is fearful because he's believing other things instead of believing God. Here's the question I wrote down for myself this week as I was studying. Who do you believe? You know what I've discovered? 
oftentimes who you believe and what you believe is directly connected to what you listen to. I'm not going to get political this morning. The pulpit's not the place for that. But I'll tell you, the last two years, we have struggled with believing a lot of things. Who do you believe? Who are you listening to? For those in our church family who are watching this by way of video, I want to encourage you, if you're at home and you're still going out to buy groceries and you're still going out to crowded restaurants and you're still going to the sports games, but you're using COVID-19 as an excuse for not being at the house of God, get back to church. It's time to get on with God's business. Who are you listening to? Are you listening to the media? Are you listening to what God's word says? And I'll confess to you, it's very hard because if you have a steady diet of the media, your mind is going to start to think, wow, everybody thinks that. Everybody thinks that. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's hard. It's tough. I don't say that to be uh, not compassionate to those of you who are still at home and still fearful. My dear friends, we cannot live by fear. We have to live by faith. We see a great model here of a guy who is living by fear and had just seen the mighty armies, the angel armies of God. Well, I've got some questions for Jacob when I get to heaven. Wow. Who do we believe? Do we believe the propaganda that's in our world or do we believe what the word of God says? There's a lot of propaganda. There's propaganda in politics. There's propaganda in our culture. Propaganda in the news. Propaganda in life. Propaganda, dare I say it, in the church world. And sometimes by well-meaning people. You say, Pastor Jack, how do I know if it's propaganda? You'll know by what we learned last week is, is it based on human intellect or is it based on the Word of God? If it's based on human intellect, more than likely it's propaganda. If it doesn't match up with the truth of God's word, then it's probably propaganda. And propaganda, there's another Greek word for that you find in the Bible. It's called manure. I'm just kidding. I just made that up. Just, to, just made that up. As I was studying this this week, I'll tell you, I, just, I really got convicted because I believe, like many of you, that there are important times coming in the life of our church here at Crossroads and if we choose to listen to the wrong things, then we will start to believe the wrong things. And if we believe the wrong things, we will start to behave the wrong way. We will start to be a people not of faith, but of fear. And when that happens, and it's happened, by the way, in churches all over the land the last two years, many of which I pass by, and there's a for sale sign out front. And I'm just saying, who are we listening to? Jacob didn't, didn't do too good. Too good. Fi finally, after, I don't know what happened, we don't, we don't know the conversations perhaps that happened in his mind, happened with his soldiers around him, maybe even happened with God. But somehow between verse 8 and verse 9, the light bulb comes on because he goes from dividing his armies to all of a sudden we jump to verse 9 and here's what happened. He begins to cry out to God and he says, Oh God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Oh Lord, who didn't, didn't you say to me, return to my country? and to your relatives and I will prosper you. I'm unworthy of all this loving kindness, of all the faithfulness you have given me. You've shown to thy servant, for with my staff only I crossed this Jordan and now I've become two companies. Verse 11, he says, Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mothers with the children. 
For thou didst say, I, I will surely prosper you and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Finally, he turns his attention to God and he begins to cry out and he begins to pray. Why is it that after seeing the angel armies of God responding in fear and distress, finally he turns his attention, at least momentarily here we read, to back to God and begins to pray back to God. Prayer is an important thing, church family. It is not a last resort. It should be a first response. And when the opposing army is coming your way, you, like me, probably have wondered over the last few weeks, what can I do about what's going on in the world? What can I do about what I see in Ukraine? What can I do? You can't get on an airplane and go over there and fight. You can't do this or that. Here's one thing you can do that's more mighty than anything in the world you can do. You don't, know, you don't know what it is? Pray. Here's the real, here's the real picture. A lot of us, including your, your pastor from time to time, forgets the power of prayer. And we think it really doesn't change a lot. I've said this and I'll say this until I die or until God calls me to leave Crossroads. We sit here, dear friends. We sit here in this room. We've gotten to this point in history. God is blessing our church. We are growing. I believe it is a direct correlation, a direct result of many of you in this room and many who have gone on who have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And in our human ingenuity, we may think, oh, it's because we're in a different space. Oh, it's because people won't come and sit on pews. They'll come sit on nice cushioned chairs, which might be true. I know you like those. I see you smiling. I like them too. And you may have my, it's because of the great music. It's because, of, it's because of this or that. People are coming to know Jesus because people are praying. The power of prayer. Jacob turns to prayer. There's two things that I see that are very interesting that he does when he prays. He starts his prayer off reminding God of who God is, as if God needs a reminder. Oh God of my father Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He calls out to God, reminding God of who God is. But then if you keep reading, and I love this, you get to the end of his prayer after he talks about him being unworthy and he says, deliver me. The last thing he says in his prayer is, did you not say, Lord, I will surely prosper you? He starts off saying, God, I'm reminding God of who he is, but then he switches into reminding God of what he said. Have you ever done that? If you haven't, I encourage you to do it. You ever reminded God what he said to you, what he says in his word? I remember about 14 years ago, Lynette and I were in Spartanburg. Life had started to crumble apart. Our house was on the market. Uh, on the market, the economy tanked. We didn't know where God wanted us to go, what God wanted us to do. We thought it was Nashville, Tennessee. I was up and down the interstate. Some of you know this story every week for about six months. What was happening up there in another ministry kind of fell apart for different reasons. And then the next thing I know, I find myself driving to Knoxville, Tennessee to do an interim worship pastor with a dear pastor friend of mine in Knoxville, Tennessee. Part of the joy of that eight months was a lot of those, a lot of those trips. I had some company with me. And it was my son, Will. We would talk. We'd had some great conversations. 
Many of those trips when we were riding and he was occupied with whatever he was thinking about. And I was driving down the road. I was doing exactly what Jacob was doing because I was frustrated. I don't know if your life, some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have had where life is in limbo for six months, eight months. Most of us have had this happen the last two years, right? But before COVID, your life has been in limbo and you're just kind of wondering, God, what is going on? And I remember on many of those rides coming back, me saying to God, you told me to do this. You told me to do this. What are you doing? You said. And I had to remind God what he said to me. He didn't forget, by the way. Made me feel better to tell him what he said. And it was more a reminder to me to stay the course because of what he said. It's okay to remind God what he said, most importantly if it's in his word. And Jacob is reminding him, God, if I get killed by my brother, wait a minute, you said this was going to happen. If I get killed by by my brother, all the promises that you've made... And God is probably going, oh my goodness. <sighs> Don't you get it? Don't you get it? But he's human. How are you doing at prayer? How am I doing at prayer? What should be my response when the opposing forces seem to be coming physically and spiritually in our life? What should our response be? What should our response be in our own spiritual life? How are we doing at prayer? A friend of mine asked me this question a few years ago. Here it is. If God answered today, every prayer you prayed yesterday, what would the result be? Wow. Wow. This is an area I need to grow in. As soon as Jacob finishes praying, unfortunately, (laughs) he he does what a lot of us do. At least I do this. He kind of goes right back to his own plan. Okay, God, I've offered up the prayer. Now let me get back to work and see what I can do about the situation because you need me. You need my help. And here's what he does. We read it in verse 13. He spends the night right there where he is. And he selected from among the group that he had with him a present for his brother Esau. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes. Is that how you say that? And 20 rams. 30 milking camels, colts, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 male donkeys. And he just delivered them into the hand of his servants every, every drove by itself. And he said to his servants, pass on before me, put a space between the droves. And he commanded the one in front, hey, when my brother Esau meets you and he asks you, saying, to whom do you belong and where are you going? What are you going to do with these animals in front of you? Who do they belong to? Then you say, these belong to your servant Jacob. It's a present sent to my Lord Esau, and behold, he's also behind us. And then he commanded also the second and the third, and all those who followed the droves after this manner, you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And you shall say, behold, your servant Jacob is also behind us, for he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me, and afterward I will see his face, and perhaps he will accept me. When I first read this story years ago, I thought, wow, what a, what a humble guy. We can respond a lot of different ways when we see the opposing army coming our way. We can respond with fear and distress. We can believe God or believe what others say. We can turn to prayer. We can respond in what looks like humility. But if you study it a little bit, 
really not humility. What is it? What it is, is a great example, once again, of Jacob putting his trust in his ability to do things and make things happen apart from trusting God. There's a great Christian song hymn that says it this way, All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. Jacob wasn't really to surrender, ready yet to surrender all, but he was willing to surrender the goats and the sheep. And what we're going to discover here is he was willing to surrender everything except for one thing, and the one thing he was not willing to surrender was himself. It's interesting that you read here a couple of times, I think it's in verse 18 and again in verse 20, it says, Jacob told the servants to go out with these animals in the front and he would be behind. He would lead from behind. Leading from behind is not leading. I don't say that again to be political. I say that because that's the truth. And even in the church we see people leading from behind. One of the things that I love about Crossroads and I love about our staff and our leadership is no, no one so far that I know in our church family will ask the rest of us to do anything that we ourselves are not willing to do. I will not ask you to give sacrificially to the future of our church if my wife and I and our family are not willing to give sacrificially. And here we have basically a guy, at least for the moment, who is kind of Hanging back, he's seen the angel armies of God. He's called out to God of Jacob and Isaac and Abraham in prayer. He's called out, and now he's like, okay, I'm just going to send you guys on ahead with a few little gifts for my brother, and hopefully everything will be all right because he's still fearful. And some translations say this. My translation, New American Standard, says that He had the attitude of, I will send these gifts out to appease him. Some translations say, pacify. I love that. Which comes from the Greek word meaning sucker. Again, I'm kidding. Pacifier. Pacify. Appease. He tries to send out these gifts so hopefully his brother will respond in a quiet, peaceful manner. So there's really not humility. It's really him once again trying to take control of the situation with, these, with what he thinks is an opposing army, which you'll find out if you read next, the next chapter. It's not going to turn out the way he thought. But in his mind, this opposing army that's coming, he's thinking, I will send out some, some gifts and I will try to take care of the situation instead of trusting God. Can I be really honest with you? You know that I will. As one of the pastors and one of the leaders here, that is something very easily we as leaders and in churches all over the world can very easily slide into. Because as you get to know me and I get to know you, I love you guys. And there's a small, uh, 
small uh, slant of what can happen, a, a, a road, a, a really slow grade of a road, a, a slow fade that can, that can, if we're not careful, go from because of my love for you, I start to want to appease you, pacify you. I'm not saying we don't make accommodations and we try to serve. That's not what I'm saying. We are called as leaders of this church to serve you. And we are all called, by the way, as followers of Jesus to serve other people. But for Jacob, he kind of slid into, I'm going to do everything I can in my own strength to smooth this situation over, to make the response be what I want it to be. And dear friends, I will tell you, with the limited staff that we have, the size church that we have, and the size that hopefully our church is continuing to grow to as we reach this community, if we as leadership start to just worry about appeasing, we're on a downward slope to destruction. And we see it all over the world. We see churches around our world and around our country that once were flourishing and now they're not flourishing. And there's a lot of different reasons. But sometimes the reason is some of the leadership has decided they're going to appease those who put the most money in the pot. Or they're going to appease the ones who are on the leadership team. Or they're going to... You have no idea. I cannot thank God enough. And again, that, that has happened because of a lot of history long before I probably was even born. The DNA of this church. I thank God Almighty for the DNA of this church. That that's not our culture. And I think that's one of the reasons God's blessing. So what else happened with Jacob? Let's wrap up the story quickly. He sends out these gifts. Verse 22, he arose that night. He took his wives, his maids, his 11 children. He crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And he took them and he sent them across the stream. And he sent across whatever else he had. And then verse 24, I love this verse, he was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when he saw that he had not prevailed against him, verse 25, he touched the socket of his thigh. So the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But he, that's Jacob, said, I will not let you go until you bless me. So he said to him, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. I wish we had more time. We've got to wrap it up. But here's what biblical scholars believe happened in this story. When you get to the very end, here we have Jacob's response. He's wrestling. If you study Hosea chapter 12, he's wrestling with the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, God himself, in this wrestling match. I, I don't know how your theology works or how to wrap your head around it, but could it be that this point in history was so pivotal was so important that Jacob's response was right and the future was so critical to the future of Christianity and where you and I sit on this side of history, that God Almighty stepped in as an angel, the scripture says a man, and began to wrestle with Jacob when he was totally alone. Which is very interesting to me. Maybe this passage is just for me today, I don't know. 
Because one of the things I wrote down is, while all this activity, while this huge entourage has been surrounding Jacob, while all this busyness and chatter, and you take this, all this stuff is going on, all this hubbub of life is alone, at the point that God Almighty shows up to Jacob is when he was totally left all by himself. And for me, I wrote down in my notes, how long has it been since you were all alone? Over the last two years, we might say, well, we've been alone a lot. Have you? Have you? Have you been alone a lot? Or have you, like me, just passed one connection to these kind of connections? And yet, God Almighty, the God of angel armies, is still trying to get our attention like he was trying to get Jacob's attention to listen and listen and listen. And finally, the only way he could get his attention was, I'm going to get rid of everybody out of the picture. They're all going to cross the river. You're going to be all by yourself. And I'm going to show up. And they get into this wrestling match. And once he was alone, God commanded his attention. And God changes his name at that point. So it's no longer are you going to be Jacob, but you're going to be Israel. I'm going to give you yet another reminder that what I said is going to happen. And what I said is going to come true. And that as Heath shared with us a few weeks ago, I'm the promise keeper. I know this army is coming. You think it's an opposing army. You've got to read the next chapter to find out what happens. But this, in your mind, is an opposing army coming. And you're freaking out. And you're turning to distress. And you're turning to fear. And you're throwing up a quick prayer as if, oh, I've kind of done my due diligence. And then you're going back into your plan. I'm trying to get your attention, Jacob. I'm trying to get your attention. So here's my question for us, for me. How am I responding? When the opposing armies happen spiritually in our lives, when those opposing forces, how am I responding? Am I I responding in, in fake humility, which is kind of an oxymoron? He cried out to God, and then he went back to his plan. We do that. Ours looks a little bit different sometimes in North American Christianity. It's, Lord, I showed up for my one-hour service. Now I'm back to my plan. Is God trying to get our attention? Is God trying to get the American church's attention? And Jacob finally gets to the point where, God, I'm not letting go of you until you bless me. The clock is our enemy because there are many Sunday mornings that I just wonder if God and His Holy Spirit, through His Holy Spirit, He's here showing up that some of us in the pews, in the seats, I believe our reaction of our heart is, I am not leaving here. I am so desperate. My week has been so much of chaos that I'm not getting up out of this seat, God, till you bless me. Oh, but we have small groups. Small groups aren't bad. Sunday school's not bad. We've got to pray and we have to believe God and we have to surrender our all to Him. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, thank You. Lord, I'm not sure how You want to end the service today. I'll be honest. Maybe this chapter is just for me. If so, wow. It's been worth it. Are you trying to get our attention? Oh God, please, please don't allow us just to throw up a prayer and go back to our normal way of life with anything. 
with our own personal walk with you, with our family walk with you, with what our church is going through for the future of our church. God, we don't want you to let us go until you bless us and show us what it is you want us to do. And so I pray, Lord, in the quietness of this moment that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts today. And dear friend, as you're sitting there this morning, I, I really don't know how God's speaking to you. Maybe this morning you just need to come down front and confess your need of Him. Maybe you need to come down and just say, wow, I need to start being more of a person of prayer. Maybe for you there's an opposing army in your life right now, and you're struggling. And you need confidence, not fear. You need faith, and that's found in Jesus. So in just a moment, we're going to stand together as a church family, and I'm going to ask you this morning that however the Lord's moving on your heart, that you would respond. My friend Heath will be down here at the front with me, and if we can pray with you or encourage you, we'll be here. Maybe today you'd say, you know what? This is the kind of family I want to be a part of, the kind of spiritual family I want to be a part of, and you want to put your roots down here at Crossroads. I'll be down here, and Heath will as well, to receive you today if you'd like to say, I want to make Crossroads home. Father, I pray you'd have your way during this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me as we sing together? We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.